Story times with Evan and Aaron. Story times with Evan and Aaron. Story times with Evan and Aaron. Story times. Story times. Story times. Hey kids, welcome back to another episode of Story Times with Evan and Aaron. I hope you had an amazing week. I know I did. How about you, Aaron? Well, I went to the uh, chiropractor. Well, today's super special secret word is work. So if you hear the word work, you need to go super crazy, okay? Yay! Awesome. Well, today we have a very special book titled, You Don't, Don't Want a Unicorn. Now, I know what you're thinking. I do want a unicorn. Who wouldn't want a unicorn? Aaron, wouldn't you want a unicorn? Yeah, I would, I would love a unicorn. Well, this book is going to tell us why we wouldn't want a pet unicorn. But we're not just going to read it. We're going to sing it. Oh, I, I thought we'd say that in unison. Oh. We're going to sing it. You know what that means, kids. To decide which tune we're going to read the book to, we need to spin the Wheel of Melodies. Here we go. Our melody is Summer Breeze by Seals and Croft. Let's read the book. There's a boy that's wishing for a unicorn. He's got a shirt that says he loves unicorns. It's really fun riding on a rainbow. But what was gonna happen, little did he know. The unicorns make really bad pets. You should get a puppy dog instead. The unicorn threw a party and trashed the place. Now he's pooping tiny little cupcakes. Don't eat those. The unicorns are driving him crazy. He grabs some coins to wish the unicorns away. Unicorns make really bad pets. You should get a puppy dog instead. And we all know what sound a puppy dog makes, right? Wark, wark, wark. What are you doing? Uh, shooting, shooting a public access TV show. Uh, okay, I don't even want to know. Just please get back to work. See, this is why I can't go out of town, because nothing gets done in the office. You see, now you know why they need supervision around here. So glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you guys are, are you guys having fun today? Is this a fun day or what? Crazy. We love having fun at church. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Also, our God Behind Bars. Guys, we love you guys. Let's give them a hand. Thank you for all that you do. Hey guys, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Thanks so much for being a part of our services. I thought Pastor Marcus, by the way, did a great job last week. Wasn't it great to have Marcus Meekum here? He's awesome. I love that guy. He's on our board of directors. For those of you who don't know, like, how's Bill accountable? You know, he's one of those guys. And so uh, he's a dear friend and a great man of God. And so it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was out of town, got a chance to go hang out, uh, name drop, with uh, Lincoln Brewster, which is always fun, name drop. Anyways, but uh, 
It was cool to hang out with him. And, uh, and he did commit, this is cool, San Antonio. He did commit that when we grand open in San Antonio, he's gonna come out there. How cool is that gonna be to have him out? Yeah, we're gonna do something big there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And I think we'll get him back over here at Corpus too. So we wanna do that too. But hey guys, thanks for being here. Today I'm excited about this brand new series. You know, we're, we're obviously being as sarcastic and silly as we can. But the truth is, the reason we're doing that is because I think some people get consumed with, I just wish I could be happy. Isn't that the number one thing some people, and this is why we, we long for the, for the good old days, whatever age you, that good old day was for you, right? We long to, for those good old days when we were all young and skinny, right? We long for, <laughs> we long for, the, for, for the day that, or, or maybe you're longing for a day in the future, like, oh, when I finally have money, when I finally uh, maybe get married, when I finally, you know, we always, you ever notice that we're always like one thing away from being happy? Oh, if I could just get that car, if I could just live in the house this big, if I could just be in that neighborhood, if I could just not be single but be married, and the married person, if I could just be single again, if I could just, I mean, hopefully not, but if I could just have kids, you know, and then you get kids, and then you're like, if I could just get rid of the kids, if I could just get them to leave the house. So the, the point is that we're always like one step away from happy. Well, there's been some studies done Unhappiness. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud. I'm a big fan of this guy. He wrote a book called Boundaries. Maybe you've heard of it. It's an incredible book. But he also wrote another book called The Law of Happiness. Not as popular, but a very good book. And they've done all this research on what actually the empirical data on what really makes people happy. It's very interesting. In fact, did you know that 50% of what makes someone happy is just their constitution? What that means is their, their wiring, the way they were born, their temperament. So if you go to a nursery right now uh, in any hospital, and just if you pan the camera across the babies, you'd see every once in a while a baby that just sat there happy. They were just born happy. So some people just have this positive attitude. It's just they were born with it. That's who they are. If you're that person, would you lift your hand? If you're that happy person, hold your hand high. We hate you. We just want you to know that now. No, we, we're jealous of you, actually. Isn't it true? We wish we were that person just, just kind of naturally happy. It's a great quality. Maybe you feel like you struck the wiring lotto and you're just a happy person. Or maybe you feel like you missed the lotto and you're like, man, I wish I was just kind of a happy person. You also pan across those babies in nursing and every once in a while the baby's going, you know, they're going to become a lawyer one day. And so that's what that... <laughs> Just kidding, that was just a joke. But the truth is, is that some people just have a constitution that just means the way they're wired, the way they're made up. Also, your upbringing has to do with that. If you were abused as a child, went through difficulties, those kind of things, and oftentimes that plays into your attitude later in life. And so oftentimes, if you also were loved and, and nurtured in such a way, that can play in a good way too. So that's about 50% of it. Then 10% of what makes us happy are things that we want in life that are circumstantial. This is what all people I know are going for, though. This is like, if I could just have that house, that car, that level of income, if I could just have the corner office, if I could just be the boss, if I could just get married, if I could just, if I could only have, if I could blah, 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 blah. That's 10% of our happiness, which is kind of scary. And the reason I want to bring this up, because that means that only, you're going to only get a 10% bump with a new car. And they've also done the research and found that that 10% bump fades. About the time the new car smell goes away, you still have payments, Right? You're like, oh, well, I don't know why I wanted that so bad, right? Remember those kids you dreamed about and you pray, oh, God, please give me children, and now that miracle's talking back to you? Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, is that as great as those things are, you get about a 10% bump in happiness, but then it kind of goes back down. Guess what they discovered? 40% of our happiness is totally in our control and how we see the world and how we respond and react to the world. 40%. So I wanna, in this series, for the next three weeks, focus on your 40%. Can we do that? Does that sound good? Let's, because happiness is an inside job. Fulfillment is an inside job. 
And so let's work on that for the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about that. So that's why we're having fun with this. But the first thing we have to do, if we're really going to become happy, if we're really going to become well-adjusted, uh, whole people, the first thing we have to do is we have to kill the fairy tale. And so today's message is called Killing the Fairy Tale, okay? So please pull out your notes if you want. Let me give you some things to write down. You know, people are trying so, so badly to be happy, to seek pleasure, to, you know, maybe you're, you're trying to escape uh, your life into Candy Crush or Fortnite or uh, Netflix binging or, you know, Hulu or Game of Thrones or whatever it is for you. And so people are just kind of binging on that stuff. And so those are called escapisms. You're just trying to escape. Some people get extreme in their escape and add drugs to it or porn to it or a, a, an illicit relationship or whatever. I don't recommend any of those things. But oftentimes, if you really look at the root of it, we're trying to escape our problems. We're trying to escape our difficulties. That's why it's just easier to get high than to face the fact that you're in debt. It's just easier to go party and go clubbing than to stop and recognize that things in your own home are not good. It's just easier, right? to go lose yourself in uh, some kind of romantic movie uh, on Netflix and you know, binge the episodes, then actually turn it off and deal with your relationship. And so what happens is we have this escapism going on, and, and so then some of us you know, even go to psychiatrists or psychologists, we go get pills or whatever we need to do you know, to try to make ourselves happy. And so, uh, in fact, th there's, a, there's something called a psychiatric hotline. You may want to try it. If you're obsessive compulsive, they say, please press one repeatedly when you call them. If you're codependent, please ask someone else to press two for you when you call them. If you call them also, if you have multiple personalities, press three, four, five, or six, whichever one you feel like at that moment. <laughs> if you're paranoid delusional, just know that we know who you are, what you want, just stay on the line, we're tracing your call. <laughs> now, if you're schizophrenic, listen carefully, a little voice will tell you which number to press. And if you're depressed, it doesn't really matter which number you press, it doesn't matter, press any of them, it doesn't matter. So today, let's talk about how we can actually enjoy our lives, be happy, be fulfilled. But I want to, again, pull us out of the fairy tale. Doesn't that look great, by the way? I feel like I'm in a fairy tale when I look at that screen. It's amazing. But we got to get ourselves out of the fairy tale and into the real world. So I don't mean to be negative, but I want you to understand that we keep losing ourselves in in fairy tale land, which it, whether it's social media where everyone puts their highlight reel on, on, on social media, acting like their life is so cool all the time when it's not that cool all the time. And so if you're you know, busy soaking up Insta sham or fake book or whatever, what happens is we're like, oh, their life is so cool, mine just stinks, right? Oh, I just, oh, man, I wish I was that good looking all the time. They're not that good looking all the time. They took 60 shots to get that one. And they put, it's a natural, just a quick shot, casual. <laughs> Nothing casual about that. So oftentimes we're losing ourselves in this fairy tale world. So how do we come out of that? And how can we kill the fairy tale and then actually have achievement, success, happiness, all those things that we're all looking for? When I use the word success, I wanna be very careful. This is not the American dream success. Maybe part of that's what you want. But for example, I just wanna just redefine success if I can, fulfilling God's purpose for your life. That's what real success looks like. Does that make sense? So that doesn't always mean that you're gonna have a Ferrari. It doesn't always mean you're gonna drive a Beamer and live in a really fat house. It doesn't mean those things. It, it, it may mean, like my brother-in-law, uh, moving to Honduras and having no air conditioning and doing surgery in the middle of the bush for people who really need help. And you know what? He's fulfilled. He's doing what God called him to do. He enjoys what he does for a living. As crazy as that sounds like to the average American, he's really fulfilling his dreams. That's what he wanted to do. And so I wanna challenge you to understand that God wants you to be fulfilled, but that doesn't necessarily mean some kind of happenstance happiness where you're like, oh, I just always get what I want. No one always gets what they want. That's very unrealistic. That is a fairy 
tail. So let's just kill that right now. Can we do that? So the first thing, look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. It says, for he gives his sunlight, this is God speaking, to both evil, uh, the evil and the good. God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Now, I just want to blow something up real quick, which says, well, why do I have to go through this difficulty? Why am I having a problem? I'm a good person. I mean, I'm a good person, so why is, am I dealing with this? Oh, I'm sorry, did you think that that correlated? Did you think that whether you were a good person or a good Christian or a good faithful church member, whether you tithe, gave to charity, whether you were nice and all that stuff, that you wouldn't have problems? <laughs> Where did you get that promise? Because it's not in the Bible. That's nowhere in the word. But yet we believe that, don't we? We feel like, I got the wrong end of the deal. Everyone else is happy but me. That, that's just not true. But yet we, we believe this, this lie, when it says in Scripture clearly that it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, we love rainbows, and we forget real rainbows come after it rains on you which means that no one has this perfect unicorn rainbow situation. No one does. So I just, I wanna bring some reality here to let you know that you're gonna have problems. You know, how many guys think Billy Graham's a pretty amazing guy? When he, you know, he just passed away, but you know who that is? One of the greatest evangelists of the last century. He's amazing and he led millions to Christ. He's an incredible guy. Did you know the last 10, 15 years of his life he was dying slowly of Parkinson's disease? Does that sound fair to you? Wow, devotes his whole life to God and he dies slowly? The Parkinson's disease. See, again, it's not based upon whether or not he's a good guy. Every one of us have problems in our life. To not have problems, the only place I can take you in this world where people don't have problems is the cemetery. If, to be alive is to have problems. And you know, they say that one out of three people are drama, difficult people. Maybe that you have a problem person in your life, right? So just look to your left right now. If they're not drama, Look to your right, they're not drama. That means you're the drama, dude. You're the problem. <laughs> so the reality is we all have problems. John 6, says this, for the Father is with me. I've told you all this so that, you, so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured. Scripture says deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. God says, the world's jacked up. The world has problems but you can know that you're with me. God says, you're with me and I've conquered the world. So notice God doesn't say, I'll remove your problems. He says, no, I'll be with you in the midst of your problems. So he, the problems don't go away. Number one, don't let problems surprise you. Become unshakable by walking with God. You're going to have problems. That, that's, that's just part of life. To be alive is to have problems. In fact, sometimes the very things you pray for bring problems. I prayed years ago, oh God, give us a church of thousands of people for Christ, right? And he did. The problem is all you showed up and you all had problems. You people are difficult. <laughs> and so when I asked God to bless me, with the blessing came problems. Some of you right now are like, oh, if I could just make a lot of money then I wouldn't have problems. Oh, I beg to differ. I have some friends that, have, I have some friends that don't have any money, some friends that do okay, and some friends that do very well, and they have all kinds of problems too. I mean, all kinds of problems. You know, there's a new TV show on TV, and there's a movie that came out about too, about the J. Paul Getty thing, that whole thing. I don't know if you, if you saw that, but J. Paul Getty was a super wealthy guy, the wealthiest guy in the world at the time. His kids, if you study them, are so jacked up. I'm not trying to judge them. I'm trying to explain to you that they started with the money we dream of one day having and it ruined them. The very thing we're all going for can destroy you. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it just shows you that like, what are we doing? We're trying to find happiness in outside sources. You're just not gonna find that happiness in those things. And you're going to have problems. Problems are part of life. So what do you do when you face problems? Look at, look at James chapter one, verse two. It says in the message translation, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when, you, when, you, when you're tested and challenged uh, from all sides. 
So it's just considered a gift from God when you get tested and challenged from all sides. When problems come at you from every direction, just say, God, thank you for all these problems. You do that, you go, Lord, I just thank you that I'm really going through difficulty. Most of us don't do that, right? Most of us are like, okay, if this is what you bless me, God, stop blessing me, I'm good. <laughs> right? And so we all face problems. It says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Oh, wow. God says, quit trying to pray this away. I have a purpose in your problem. Huh. Goes on to say, let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I want to challenge you, number two, to view your problems as a test to be passed. View your problem as a test to be passed. Another translation of the same verse says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials, right? So the word trial has several meanings. We think of the word trial like problems, difficulties. I'm really going through a pastor. I'm facing a big trial in my life. That's one, one, one way of using the word. Another way of using the word is I'm going to trial, right? Like it's in a legal sense, like I have to go to trial. And, and by the way, those who, who don't have money or don't feel like they have a lot of money, one of the ways that you know you have a lot of money is you get sued. Every one of those who got a lot of money gets sued all the time. Did you know that? So you're like, oh, I just wish I had a lot of money. You don't want to have any problems. Oh, no, 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 no. Then you're paying crazy fees on lawsuits and difficulties and dealing with attorneys and depositions. That is every rich guy I know. Did you know that? In fact, actually, if you're going through that, that's a sign you kind of made it financially. So it's just a different set of problems. Isn't that crazy? And so don't think that they, oh, man, if I just had all that money, I wouldn't have any problems. That's just not true. Sometimes your problems last for a long time. You're going to trial. You're middle of a big mess legally. That happens to a lot of people, right? There's a third meaning of the word child that I want to mention here. Wouldn't it be cool if you got to go home to your family one day and say, I've been picked to go to the Olympic trials. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Like, I like that way, right? So I ran track in high school. I was terrible, but I did run track. And so I was, as they say, pretty fast for a white boy. And so I remember... <laughs> I remember one day I went to this track meet and I've got these guys on either side of me. It, it was like a all Houston track meet and it, it was really embarrassing because like I'm like this small white boy in the middle of these gigantic dudes. And so there's a guy on my right, guy on my left. Both look like they started shaving in fourth grade. <laughs> They're like grown men and I'm the boy among them. You know what I mean? I remember getting in the starting blocks and running and getting totally blown out. I mean, it was like, this is bad. It was like, I mean, I really, I got blown really bad. Anyway, so I remember thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I could just go to the officials that day and go, hey, listen, I know I didn't go that fast, but couldn't you just give me a ribbon anyways? I mean, come on, man. I'm a nice guy. Isn't, how, isn't that how we do it? We say, can't you make me the exception? I'm a nice person. Isn't that how we don't realize we're doing this right now in all areas of our life? I mean, why, why can't I get the promotion? I'm a nice person. Oh, you thought that niceness got you the promotion? You thought, oh, so you didn't think there was anything work-related into that? Can you imagine if I said, can't you just give me a pass on this one and just let me, just let me win? Just, just come on, just, you know, I'm a nice guy. Okay, sure, we'll do it. So then let's say I take it to the next level, right? And I go to district. For some reason, they just pass me on district, right? And so I lose miserable, but I say, but you know, I'm a nice guy. Why don't you just, 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 let's just pretend I'm a victor. Let's just pretend I'm a champion and I put in the time and I ran fast everyone. I mean, I didn't really do it, but let's just say I did it. And let's just say the people at the district were smoking crack. And they said, sure, no problem. <laughs> and then I go to state, the same thing. And then I get into college and somehow someone says, you know what, normally we give track scholarships to those who are fast. But you know, in this case, we just like you. Here's the scholarship. 
this is so great. So I go on scholarship. And then I go to the Olympic trials. They're like, well, this guy's really slow. His times are nowhere near. But you know what? We just like him. Let him go on through. And now I get to represent my country in the Olympics because I'm a nice guy. And so I get in the blocks and there's these fastest people from all around the world, all around me. We're all going to race. How's that going to turn out? It's going to look like the first episode of American Idol. What are they doing there? Who told them they were good? Right? So maybe the trials we face are actually qualifying us for the next level. It's a different way to look at your trials, isn't it? It's like, oh, you have a purpose in that, God. So the difficulty I'm dealing with has a purpose to it. You know, you say, oh, God, I wish I had the corner office and ran the whole division, but you can't even get along with your three coworkers. And now you're going to have to be the one who oversees all the coworkers? Do you know what you're asking for? And so the truth is, is that next level is also going to be introduced to the next devil, right? You're going to have more problems with it. So, so let me just give you two tests you're going to have to pass if you want to advance in your life. Since everyone wants to live in Candy Crush, everyone wants to fairy tale being the big shot, the big person in charge, the winner, the successful, whatever it is. Isn't it amazing how people that are successful can make it look easy? Did you notice our singers today made it look easy? Wasn't that funny? You're like, that was so creative and fun, and it just made it look easy. But what's funny is that we forget that that actually took a lot of work. We forget that, right? Because the truth is, is that we don't want to pass this next test. But here's one of the biggest tests we have. It's the pressure test. You know, it'd be, oh, it'd be so cool to be in that band. They're so great. All, everyone who's musical in the room, oh, I just wish I was in that band. That's great. Do you know the pressure that they have to perform in front of thousands of people? And to bring it, and to bring it every week? I have pastor friends of mine, oh, I wish they had church that side. Well, do you know the pressure I feel? I love my job, but there's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's a budget to meet. There are families relying upon that. There is all this ministry we're trying to do. There's mortgages and, you know, I mean, all kinds of craziness. And, you know, I mean, I'm like, this is a lot, you know. People say, goodness, your, your church brings in so much money. Do you know what the electric bill on one building is? This building alone, the electric bill is $25,000 a month. It's a Honda a month. Welcome to my life, every day. My point is, is that whatever you're wanting, and many, many people don't want to be, I get that, I'm not, I'm not trying to say everybody wants what I want, I don't, I'm not saying that. But whatever it is you're desiring, if you look close upon inspection of what they are doing in their life, wherever they are, there's more pressure with it. It's a lot more pressure to pastor this church now than when the church ran three or 400. There was pressure then too. But I had to pass some tests for God to grow the ministry further and pass some more tests for God to grow the ministry. Is this making sense? So whatever it is you're desiring in your life, there's pressure with it. Oh, I wish I had that big house and that nice fancy neighborhood. You do know that house comes with a larger mortgage, right? There's more pressure. You do know that all the bills go up on a house that size versus the house you have now. You do understand that, right? You do understand that eventually if you get into the nicest neighborhood, you really can't do your own lawn because you can't keep up with it. You gotta have the professionals because everyone else does this. Your lawn just doesn't look as good. And you feel the pressure to keep up. You see where I'm going here? Whatever it is you're desiring, there's an added pressure to it. So you gotta pass the pressure test. Psalms 50 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now the answer is always the same with pressure. You say, God, I, I can't do this. I need you to help me. And God says, that's right. I gave you this. I will bless you, but you need to pass this test and trust in the Lord. Maybe you feel like you're under great pressure right now. Maybe you just don't know what to do. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him, he's got this, the pressure test. The next test is also very difficult, it's the people test. The people test. 
Jeremiah 17 says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Notice it doesn't say blessed are those who trust in people. You tried that one yet? You tried to trust in people? How'd that go? Right? We've all been there, haven't we? You ever notice it's almost like the more Christian they sound, the worse off you are? Anyone else notice this? I'm always nervous about the person who talks a little too spiritual to me. They have real high JPMs per minute. That's Jesus per minute. And so <laughs> every phrase sounds super Christian nonstop, and you're just like, oh, no, I don't think anyone's that spiritual all the time, right? And so it's just a matter of time if they're just, I, I just feel like some people are so dripping with the spirituality that you realize this is a cover-up. This isn't really who they are. You, anyone know what I'm talking about? You ever been stabbed by someone who seems so good? You ever been, had someone look at you in the face and just lie so eloquently that you trusted them? You're like, wow, you are good at deceit. I fell for it. And then what happens is the real test is not, the test is, oh, you gotta find better people. Oh, no, 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 that, that's not the test. See, some of you right now are, when you look at your resume, it looks like a patch quilt. Well, I left this job because they were jerks over there. And I left this job because man, they were a bunch of bozos. I left this job. Oh, you don't know, those people are everywhere. There's no job where you're not gonna find those people. Or maybe you're new to our church because you left that last church because you know they were a bunch of hypocrites at that church and you're wondering, I wonder if this is church has a bunch of hypocrites. Let me save you some time. Yes, we're all hypocrites and you are too. Welcome. <laughs> we're all people. So we all make mistakes. And so the real people test, this may surprise you, you know what the people test really is all about? The people test is that after you get hurt and there's always a morning there's always a difficulty. It's okay to mourn the loss of a relationship. To, to, it's okay to be hurt. Those are emotions that God gave you. Don't stuff those down. That's not the answer. Deal with them. Say, man, God, this really hurt. This really stinks. I really got burned. It's okay to, 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 to have a season where you're just like, man, I just, I'm so upset. I'm hurt. I'm mad. I got to process this. God, you got to show me how to forgive this person. That's very normal for people to feel that way. But the real people test is this. The people test is say, I've been burned. I'm so tired of getting hurt. I can't trust people. I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe that person hurt me. And here's the real test. But God, I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to trust again. That's the real people test, isn't it? but I'm gonna get burned again. Right. And this may shock you, but you've burned a few people yourself. We are all human. We're all in this together, aren't we? So if you're looking for the work environment that you won't get hurt in, that's a fairy tale. You're looking for the church where everyone is always spiritual and never hurts each other. That's a fairy tale. You're looking for the perfect guy, the perfect girl. That's a fairy tale. The perfect situation. Guys, that's a fairy tale. So we gotta come out of the fairy tale and recognize that we have to pass the pressure test. We have to pass the people test. Understand the people will burn you, people will hurt you, and you gotta learn to trust again because I don't know anyone who's happy and still angry. I don't know anyone who's happy and doesn't trust anyone. It's okay to be careful on your trust. That's just being smart. But to trust no one? You're just closing up your heart. God, that's a better way. Look what Isaiah 49 says. It says, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Put your hope in the Lord. He will not 
disappoint you. He is who you need to trust in. I heard about this guy. He ended up stranded on an island in the middle of nowhere, and uh, he, he was there several years. They finally found this guy. He had a little small watercraft crashed, and so he ended up on this island. He was lost for several years. They finally, the Coast Guard finally found this guy, and then newspapers came in. They wanted to interview him. They're like, this is so interesting. This is like a real castaway. How'd you do it? How'd you survive? How'd you? And so they, went, what they wanted to just check out the surroundings, so he had like a hut that he built that he lived in, and there were two other huts, and they were like, oh, so this is where you live. What are the two other huts? He goes, he goes well, the hut on the end, that's the church I go to. And they're like, that's so cool. You created uh, uh, your own church to go worship God every Sunday. He goes, yeah, absolutely. He goes, well, what's the other hut? He goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> Isn't it incredible? How we can always get hurt. It's just, it's amazing. I heard about this lady, uh, this, this wife. She was so mad at her husband. She said, get out. Take all your stuff with you. And so he's packing all the stuff. And she said, I want you out of my house. It's over. And so as he's leaving, she goes, I hope you die a slow, miserable death. He said, so you want me to stay? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Ouch. Sometimes you don't get along with people. It's kind of normal. I want to encourage you, by the way, to be with us for the entire series. We're talking about some tests. Is this making sense to you? Are we connecting here? Is this helping you guys a little bit? Good. I'm glad to hear that. I really felt led into this series. I want to encourage you to stay with us this series. In fact, real quick, I just want to ask you, all of our campuses, real quick, to pull out this little mailer here. These are overruns. We've mailed these out to your community already, and so these are overruns. I just want to challenge you right now. If the God leads you, maybe there's someone you're like, oh, gosh, I know exactly when you need to come to this service. Oh my gosh, I know someone who needs this message. Would you write their name down right here? Not in a judgmental way, but just saying, man, this is helping me. I think this will help my friend too. And I want to challenge you to take this little piece of paper with you this week to work or to your home or to a buddy or to a coworker, whoever, and just say, would you come to my church with me next weekend? I think you're really going to like it. You know, because I really do believe that our job is to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die. That means that we have to reach out and bring people to church. I want to challenge you to bring someone to church with you. Does that make sense? Let's do that. Can we do that? Can we commit to that this week? To say, okay, pastor, I'm gonna bring someone. I don't see enough hands going up. Guys, do we know our job? Do we know the role we play as, as church members and as Christians to reach out? Yes. So I wanna challenge you to give this to someone or invite someone. You say, oh, I don't wanna give me a sheet of paper. I'll just invite them. Great, that's fine. That's the whole point is just to invite them. We just wanna give you a tool to use to do that. But bring someone to church with you this week. One last thing I want to go over here. This verse really is, is powerful if you understand the context. It says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, it's talk, God is talking to the people of Israel. People of Israel, by the way, in the Bible is not just a location or a nation. It's God's people, which now when we accept Christ, we get, a, we get drafted in or we get adopted into his family. So anytime you see him talking to Israel, he's talking to you and me. It's Christians now. Make sense? So just to help you understand that. So he's talking to Israel and it says this, God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. So God led the people of Israel to, to basically wander around for 40 years in the wilderness. Did you know that they would have walked straight from their captivity to the actual promised land, that that would have taken about a week to two weeks at the most. But instead, because their hearts weren't right, because they weren't prepared for it, because they couldn't, because they weren't mature enough to handle all God had for them, he could not hand them the keys to the promised land yet, because they would have blown it. So instead, they got to hang out and do another lap in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know how long you've been waiting for something or dealing with a problem, but I bet it's not been 40 years. And many of them never got out of that, because they never passed the test. So if you've been staying with me, you know that clearly we need to not let problems surprise us, 
your problems have a test to be passed. The pressure of the people tests are two huge tests. But this last one I really want to focus on here. Look what it says next. Verse three, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Wow. Observe Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. This is what they're about to get. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Wow. How many of you are like, I wish I'd just lacked nothing? Oh, that's just a quick 40 years to that. Just catch that? You'll lack nothing. It goes on to say, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. So here's where I want to go to number three. Would you write this down? The bigger the promise, the bigger the testing. The bigger the promise, the bigger the testing. The only, I'm not trying to say that you should lower your expectations on life. You see, those of you who think, well, this whole message is about me not living the fairy tale of having this great marriage or this you know, great career. Or this, no, no, I absolutely think you should go for a great marriage and a great career and a great walk with God and all that. Just don't go for a perfect marriage, a perfect career, a perfect walk. That's not possible. So we're getting out of the fairy tale and saying, what does a, a great marriage look like in the real world? What does a great career look like in the real world? What does a great uh, you know, walk with God and church uh, membership look like in a real church, in a real world, right? So we're not saying the lower your expectations. We're trying to say, bring reality to them. But what does this mean for you and me? Number three, the bigger the promise, the bigger the testing. Here's where I want to go with this one, and I want to land it here. What I'm trying to tell you is whatever your dreams are, whatever God's placed in your heart, let me tell you something. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this in scripture over and over again. Here it is. It's gonna cost you more than you thought. It's gonna take you longer than you think. It's gonna be harder than you think, but here's the greatest part. It's gonna be more rewarding than you think. It's gonna be harder than you think to have a great marriage. It's gonna take longer to turn that relationship around than you think. It's gonna be harder than you thought, but if you do it, it's better than you thought. Isn't that cool? Being a part of this ministry for the last 20 years, way harder than I thought took way longer than I thought to become all that God has for us, and, we, and we're not done. It was way more difficult, but guess what? It's way more of a blessing than I ever thought. It's all of that. Does that make sense? Change and happiness is always an inside job. You're always gonna have problems. It's how you face them. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just take a moment to pray right now across all of our campuses? If you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do so right now. God knew there was a problem you had and he was the only solution. Because heaven is a place of perfection. The only way to get in is to be perfect. Since he knew we were not perfect, he sent his perfect son to die for us. Jesus died and rose again. Now he waits for you to accept what he's done for you so you can enter heaven one day and also enter a relationship with him today. You can pray and receive Christ right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're gonna pray it out loud together just to lead you in this prayer to Christ. Would you pray this with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin and you rose again. I ask you therefore to come in my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you just pray that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. But for those of you who are here today, you're already a Christian, and you say, Pastor, you have no idea how badly I needed this message. You have no idea. You've been reading my mail, Pastor. No, I'm not that good. God's that good. How many of you would today say, I am facing 
a real big problem, a big mess, and I'm really down about it, and I needed this message. If that's you, would you lift your hand high and just say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you knew where I was at. Isn't God good like that? Thank you, Lord, that you knew what I needed to hear. And if you miss anything today, just know this. God is saying to you clearly, the Lord is saying, I know where you're at, and I'm with you through this. The problem may not go away overnight, but God's saying, but I'll never go away. I'm with you, and I'm gonna lead you through this. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us. Even when we are faithless, you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust our lives and even the difficulties and problems in your hands. We come out of the fairy tale, but Lord, help us to walk with you in a real world, real marriages, real families, real careers, a real church with real people with problems, and just simply honor you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for this message today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thanks, guys. Love you guys.